this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, it's Colin Nottage here and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today, I want to introduce to you Jay Allen from Safety FM. Um, the Interest in Health and Safety podcast has recently been fortunate enough to uh, be invited to become part of the Safety FM community, which we're really excited about. Um, and I've had the opportunity to just spend a little bit of time talking to Jay, talking about his, uh, his, his experience, how he started in the health and safety profession, and what his ambition is, I suppose, from, uh, for the Safety FM uh, media and how he's really trying to spread the uh, the health and safety message around the world. Anyway, I'd like to hand you over to, to Jay Allen. You know, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Can you can you just tell us a little bit about about yourself then, about your about your history, about how you how you got to where you got to now? Oh Lord, when you say you got you to where I got you now, there's so many different things that could mean. Are you interested in the safety side or the radio side? Is really I'd, like I'd like to start with the safety side, but I'd, I'd definitely like to look at the radio side as well because I think. You know, modern ways of, of communicating is so important. And I really want to expand on that quite a bit as we go through the session. But talk about the safety side first. Well, the safety side was pretty interesting because I actually wor- was working for a pretty big electronic retailer. And if I'm being 100% honest, I knew about safety, but I didn't care too much about it. It was just something that occurred inside of the organization. And I was an operations manager for, well, I'll say an operations manager it was really, I was in charge of the logistics, but it was across the country. So I was based in Florida, but I had to take care of, of the stuff that was up in the Seattle area, which is end to end is really how it works. And we had a fatality accident up in that area. And that caused me to take a look into safety. And I really started getting involved with the transportation side of, of the business to really understand what we could do to keep our, our drivers and our helpers safer. And that's really led me down this road to learning about safety. Um, I went, I did everything from becoming a defensive driver um, instructor to learning CPR. Then I started taking these deep dives and I noticed right away that I was interesting. Uh, I was interested in the concepts, but I didn't think that I was going to turn and do this full time. If I just really thought it'd be part of my skill set per se. I refused to get a engineer, a safety engineering degree. I wouldn't do that. I, for some reason I was like, I don't want to go down that path. But I started looking into industrial and organizational um, psychology and decided to get my to get my doctorate in that. And everybody thought that I was interested in becoming an HR manager and that was or HR director. And that was not the case. Um, So that's kind of led me to where I'm at. But I always in the background had a love for radio. So Mm -hmm. I had done radio in the past. But at the time that I was able to leave what I would call my quote unquote full time job to go into radio. My full-time job was paying me more than what the radio offer was. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So I kind of put that on the back burner for a while, but I got to the point that I started taking a listen around to what was going on inside of what we'll call quote unquote, the world of safety. Mm-hmm. And I didn't real I didn't see a lot of podcast that sounded like radio. But when, when was it? What sort of time frames is that? How long ago was this? It's not that long, which is the amazing part. We're talking <laughs> May of where we when we started it was probably may of 2018 but but we were talking probably i started really taking a look around come january of that same year Mm -hmm. 
I had seen some of the podcasts that were out and I listened to them and I thought, in my opinion at the time, I thought a lot of them sounded like people were recording them inside of their bathroom. Just, <laughs> just what I thought. Yeah. And I said, if we take a different approach and the name of the company that I, that we started was called safety focus moment. And I was like, there's no way we can use that as a company name in regards to bringing anything. It was like, we need to come up with something. So my wife and I are sitting in our living room. We're talking, we're going back and forth. We're like, we have to abbreviate it. And safety mm -hmm. FM is how that came about. Mm -hmm. And then I knew automatically that what I wanted that thing to look like was I just didn't want it to sound like me. I wanted it to have a point of view of different people. If we could build it out further, I knew what I wanted to start off as my show, but how would it look if we grew it out further where we had all kinds of different voices and hopefully we all didn't agree with everything because I felt that that would be very boring. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted it to be one of those scenarios where I could bring in somebody who liked behavior-based safety and someone who liked lean and someone who liked human and organizational performance and was willing to talk about it, but them giving their own perception of it and did not have to agree with everything, but it was still talking about the same subject matter, which was getting people home safe. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the whole goal and intent behind it. Mm, that's a, I mean, and that's, that's a great philosophy to have, isn't it? About getting uh you know, just getting the different messages out there. Because, I mean, I've listened to a lot of people doing doing my podcast now and I've had some fantastic conversations with people. And, and even though people have got slightly different views and opinions, there's, you know, get, getting people home safe, you know, people not getting seriously injured and killed is just is just really what everybody's focus. If it, if it isn't, it's what it should be. But it's, but it's about, you know, but it doesn't, for me, it doesn't actually matter if, if too much if people have got, different approaches you know because there, there isn't one size fits all to, to, to safety as far as i as far as i can see you know i, mean, it's I agree with percent there now and then here's what i thought about too if you came on to listen to the lean scenario or the behavior-based safety scenario and you stayed on the station mm -hmm. and then the next show came on because we don't program the shows back to back for them to be the same concept that's the other thing i wanted you to hear something different because I wanted it to be an attention getter. Well, that isn't what that other person just said. It's totally different. And I wanted it to, you to do the dives for you. Because like I tell people, I can bring you the gospel, but you have to interpret it yourself. I can't interpret it for you. I mean, I can give you my versionality of it. Doesn't mean that it's right. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. But you're going to have to take a look in how you can apply it to what's going on with you in your circumstance and that that application is is so is so important and i think you know to be fair i think that's that's often one of the things that that, that gets missing with you know with all kinds of learning you know as people you know it's well, what are the outcomes what do the, what do the outcomes look like and and how i suppose how can you measure them as well and that's uh you know that's always a challenge i, I, I want to just um just talk a little bit about i mean just about the content because i mean i i do i do two podcasts a week Okay, one one's an interview like we're doing now, and then I try, try and do a short thing, short thing, and and all of a sudden I think, God, I've I've got I've got to make some more content, and and, and two episodes a week just eats up loads of content. Right? But you're 24 hours, and you're 24 hours a day. So so how how do you get how do you go how do you go about getting content? I mean, well, I have to tell you, I'm crazy. That's probably the first part to start off with, but. What I had done is I looked, I reached out to someone like Todd Conklin. And when I reached out to Todd, he already had 400 and some odd episodes that he had released. And if we're being 100% realistic, we re-air some of his previous podcasts. Okay, That's okay. what we do. Yeah. 
But then we also realized that there had to be new content available for the end user. It couldn't just be, hey, I'm re-airing a whole bunch of podcasts and there you go. So we actually do live shows as well, but they don't all get released via podcast. And the great thing about it is that technology has changed so much that I can give you a piece of software that's very small and you can be out in the middle of nowhere as long as you have cell phone service. You can say, hey, I want to jump on the station, click a button, and you start talking, and it can go directly onto the air. It becomes a lot of self-conversations, if I'm being realistic, where I feel like I'm locked up in the studio and I'm talking to myself. But then I'll get on the phone with someone or I'll start looking at, at posts on social media and people are listening to what I'm saying. So then it's like, was I really talking to myself or who all is there? So it becomes a very interesting world. Um, I was actually listening to a review that Jane McPherson was doing on a several different um, podcasts. Yours was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the ones that are on the network here were mentioned as well. And he talked about that the show that we do on the Jay Allen show sounds like a conversation of a fly on a wall where it sounds like you're just kind of sitting in there. And we have intentionally done it that way because I don't want to do the same interviews with everyone. I don't want them to go to show A, then go to show B, and it'd be the exact same thing. I really want to take the deep dives that other people won't go into. Like, Mm -hmm. I never knew that the field guide that Sidney Decker wrote was inside of his kid's room when he was out on paternal leave. Had no clue. Mm -hmm. But we went down that discussion because Mm -hmm. we try to have conversations with people where they feel comfortable. Most Mm -hmm. of the times when we get to the point where we tell people, thank you for being on the show, that's when almost the whole conversation changes into something entirely different. Now, there has been some conversations that we definitely have not been able to air because we said that we had ended the recording. And there's been some shows where I go, damn, that sh- what we talked about afterwards was so much better than show. I won't say which episodes, but that's been the case. And Don't think, ask me know, which ones. Don't ask me which ones. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that, I mean, I've, I've experienced that as well. Um, and, you know, and it's, 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 about, it's about just getting comfortable, isn't it? And, you know, and it's, it's very, very... You know, it's very easy to go, you know, I know I did it when I first started the podcast, you know, I'm almost go, almost going to interview them. And, uh, you know, and you just, I've got this list of questions and I'm going to ask them and all that kind of stuff. And, and I started doing that when I first started out. And, and then I, I realized that it just, it didn't actually feel comfortable to me. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what feels comfortable to me, you know, is, is, is really what we're doing now, which is, which is sort of having a, if having a chat, if we had a, if I had a pilot in front of me, I'll be, I'll be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and the, what I look at is I don't script anything. I don't send you any questions ahead of time. I want it to be a organic conversation. I will do some minor, and I'm talking minor research about the person that I'm speaking with, similar to what we have going on. And then we go, boom, and wherever the conversation leads. Now, Every once in a while, I'll have somebody who will tell me I can't come on unless you tell me what the questions are. I have no idea what the questions are going to be because mm-hmm. I just don't want it to be the same old podcast, the same old mm-hmm. show. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I don't need to know how you started in safety. I don't need to know what was your life's work. I mean, a lot of people, most of the times we already know that content. So mm-hmm. let's get deeper into what's going on. And then the other ones that drive me up the wall, and I'll just be realistic, where they have a product mm-hmm. and all they want to talk about is the product. Mm-hmm. And we have the discussion that this is an interview about you, not about your product. And they want to become a actual 
it, it becomes an infomercial, as we call it here in the States, where it's just talking about the product. And I have several shows that we have never released because they have become that. Yeah. I haven't, um, fortunately, I haven't had that, you know, but, uh, you, know, it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but, but again, um, you know, so do you have, um, have you got targets then? Have you got people that you, uh, you know, that you, you feel are really sort of trying to influence health and safety and move things in a, in a different way. And you, and you want to try and get those, uh, get those on the show or, you know, how does, how does that work? Well, what we normally do is we, we kind of do a couple of different things on the back end. We try to see who the movers and shakers are inside of the industry to see what's going on. And it's not the easiest thing to find because some people will go, well, based on the amount of social media likes, that's for sure going to tell me who's changing the industry. Well, that's not the case. So we try to take a look around and maybe if some people that might be doing some things out of the ordinary. And we do a little bit of looking at what their work consists of. of and unfortunately, the majority of the times, it ha- it's related to either posts that we see online or it's stuff that other people tell us. Or mm-hmm. if somebody contacts us and says, hey, we have someone of in- that somebody that might be interesting to you that we think mm-hmm. you- that should come on to the show, then we'll reach out to them. We also, I mean, it's kind of weird at times because we'll have people reach out to us and say, can we come on to the show? You can come on to the live show normally relatively quick, but yeah, when yeah. you want to go on where you know for sure it's going to be on a podcast, I can't guarantee to people that it's going to happen because we could, let's say, for instance, that you and I are doing a radio show. So we're having the conversation like we are right now. I hit one button here. We're automatically on the radio. That would be the case. <laughs> but maybe this content that we're going over I don't consider it engaging for a podcast because the podcast world is slightly different than radio. People say, oh, no, it's not. It's exactly the same. It's not. There's slightly, you know, some differential there. So not everything that we record for the radio do we actually put onto a podcast. And it becomes difficult for people because they always expect the podcast aspect of it. I am more of the radio show and then we do the podcast. And then the other portion is I don't edit. So let me explain what I mean. If something goes, left field mm-hmm. it stays and yeah. i don't edit out and that drives people crazy because i'm like it's on the radio so it goes the same fashion so i'm not going to change it the ones that i love is go hold on one second let me think about that and then it's like <laughs> well we're live on the air so whatever you want to do <laughs> so what about the um, the audience then so who who are you um you know who are you aiming the show at? Well, when we originally started, we were looking mostly for safety professionals. It was, that was really what I was, everything that we were doing investigation wise on how to figure out how to get to safety professionals. Then we got to the point that it really just wasn't safety professionals. We're looking for end users. And what do I mean by end users? People that are involved in the business world. But what we have noticed is that the majority of our audience consists of males, Mm -hmm. ages between I think the last time we did the demo check was 25 to 44. That is kind of our, the majority of our market. And they tend to listen to us based on, I don't know. I don't know if it's the sarcasm that comes out of some of the shows or what exactly that it is. But most of the stuff that we've done from the beginning was we did a lot of social media pushing at the very beginning. But the, what we have seen lately is word of mouth. Now, Some people will never talk about numbers, about podcasts and all that. But we've noticed that since the pandemic, certain shows, not all of them, have dropped in the amount of listeners because people Mm -hmm. are not commuting and not a lot of people stay at home and 
listen to podcasts. So we have made these different things available now where we'll do a radio show where they might be listening to a radio and they might not download a podcast. And what we've been doing a lot of lately is pushing virtual events. And people go, well, now you're trying just to get money from people. Now, a good chunk of all the virtual events that we do are free. Mm-hmm. And we want people to feel like, hey, you can be behind what we call a paywall, even though they're not paying for anything, where it's just you and I having the conversation and it's not really so much open to the world. And it kind of gives it a little bit more of a personal feel, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does. That's, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, just, you know, being able to just being able to engage in, in different ways is 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 just so important because because people people learn in different ways you know and some people are really comfortable visually and some people are comfortable on reading stuff you know the podcast i find the podcast is quite um it becomes quite personal you know because you're you're really in you know you're in the person's ear you know you're right you're right there Mm -hmm. and um you know and it's uh you know i I just i'm just fascinated you know some of the some of the sort of the, the people who put back uh LinkedIn posts or notes or messages, you know, you're, you're really, you're really sort of building a, a relationship with, with people that you've never met. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, I, I love it. Absolutely. Well, it, it, it becomes very different at time too, because here's what I've noticed. We'll go out and do a, well, back before pandemic, of course, we would go out and do a public speech. So we go out into the public and it's slightly different because normally those first initial conversations that you would have with somebody with, hello, I am this person and this is what I do. Well, now the relationship's slightly different because they know me by listening to the show. Mm. So now we have skipped ahead because they know these portions about my life or about the radio show that I have discussed that you would normally wait three or four conversations before that would actually occur. So it makes it a little bit different because... One sits back and goes, nobody's listening to find out, oh, no, there's a lot of people listening and they know a lot more about me than, than what's expected. It, it becomes very interesting. I remember going to an event in particular and there was a speaker on the stage and they asked me to come in to be an audience member. I don't know why, but they did. Okay. And when the speaker was done, there was more people waiting in line to speak to me as an audience member than the speaker. And I felt very awkward about that. So I have never agreed to do that again ever since that happened. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think I think for me, one of the uh, one of the advantages is um, is is though that I haven't got my face on anything, and uh, so so I can walk down the street and nobody will see me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you when I when I originally started with this, I told everybody from the beginning, I'm not doing video. Mm-hmm. I was like, I refuse to do video. I have a face for radio. I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm not doing video. Mm-hmm. Well, the audience drives where we go. Yeah, and that's why you see me now on video. Video, yeah, no, brilliant. So, have you got? I mean, have you, have you, have you yourself then got a got a view on on what good health and safety looks like? Then, where 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 do you sit, or do you? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm biased um, when it comes to health and safety because I look at a lot of stuff under the lens of human and organizational performance. Um, okay. I follow a lot of the work of Todd Conklin, mm-hmm. uh, Sydney Deckers of the world, just taking a look at what they've done. So if I always tell people, if you take a listen to my first hundred episodes of the show, it is a, a love letter to the work of Todd Conklin. It's really mm-hmm. what it boils down to. Um, I just think that what he has done throughout the years has been amazing. When I first mm-hmm. started off into the whole industry, I was a firm believer in behavior-based safety and a lot of the stuff that um, Scott Geller was doing and not, and I think that it was, I think that we have to look at it is that a lot of these concepts that are out there are add-ons. 
And sometimes mm-hmm. people think that it's a drop everything and go to this new thing. And that's not the case. Not so so I interact with a lot of people inside of the transportation world. So their dynamics are slightly different than what I would say standard health and safety is because mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts to it. So if I had to say anything, I would say under the lens of human and organizational performance. And I have taken some deep dives into some of that stuff where I've done a lot of research, even going back to the original documents um, Mm -hmm. that were created by the Department of Energy um, and even trying to find some of the original people that wrote all the stuff out. It took some time, but Mm -hmm. it's been been fun projects such as those where I just wanted to really understand the source material before I said, okay, this is what I go to. But I tell people that I look at it with a lot of the human and organizational performance, but I always say that it's a bolt-on and there's some slight changes to how I look at it compared to others. And I think that that's what just with everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you, you know, you look looking at, you know, how things develop and I, and I think that, you know, there's absolutely no problem with things developing and moving on and, and, you know, and, and, and the, the approaches that traditional safety approaches, as it's called, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though, you know, I'm sure there was stuff before that, but uh, which is probably even more traditional. Um, but, um, you know, the traditional approaches, you know, are, are part of the journey, aren't they? they? You know, it's part of the, and we, and, and it still, it still works in some people's eyes and views and, and they feel it's effective. And then the other people take it, uh, you know, take it in a slightly different way. And I, and I think we, I think we should actually be shouting out about that, that, that people are doing that rather than, there just seems to be quite a lot of infighting going on at the moment in the, uh, you know, in, in the, in the, in the sector. And I just feel that, you know, it's, it's, it just seems a little bit crazy really, you know, it's just, let's just, uh, let's just, let's just push on. Well, I mean, I think people have to look at it as, as the whole thing is that you have to look at the aspect that the end goal is to make sure that people make it home safe. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing. And we can go down the path of driving to zero and all that stuff. And, that becomes a very weird conversation for me because mm-hmm. when I think that when you start pushing people to drive to zero, and it's not that I'm saying I want people to get hurt because mm-hmm. that becomes strange too, but I feel that it pushes people not to report. If I have something that's on my wall that says we have went 340 days without a single injury. And if mm-hmm. we make it to one year, we're going to do a barbecue for everyone or something yeah, along yeah. those lines. Because if you're the person that causes that 340 to go away, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are not going to like you now, so it becomes a very strange thing. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, when I when I grew up in uh, you know, in in operational management, you know, we we had we had the we had the, the things on the entrance to the site saying how many days we've gone without a lost time injury, and it was you know, it was, and you look back on it and you think you know, you know, what 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 were we trying to do? What were we trying to say? And um, you know, and it it, it, it definitely it definitely didn't improve the way that we behaved. It wasn't. It wasn't a motivational thing, and then all it all it did, from what I could see, was was when something did go wrong, like you say, out come the out come the fingers, you know, the pointing, you know, you cause this, you cause that. So, so how then, you know, if, if you're if you're trying to engage more with the end user, okay, and and you've you've got the views that you've got from a health and safety perspective, how do you go about then getting those messages to to the people? I mean, what what are what are the, the the sort of clever ways that you're you're trying to you know use use the, the resources that you've got to to get the messages to the people that the, 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 where it matters? Well, the way that I that I've done this is by actually using a lot of social media is really what it boils down to, and a lot of people get hung up on you can only use LinkedIn to get to businesses, and mm. that's not really the case. 
you have to kind of play the field and do some different things to get the information out there. Now, what I have been able to do, and we've been able to accomplish to this point, is going outside of the realm of health and safety. And we interview people that might not fall under a quote-unquote health and safety category just to make sure we can get the information out there. And we will take risk, because that's how you have to almost word it, with certain interview subject matters that do not fit into the box of health and safety. Um, and people question some of the things that we're doing. But I think that those risks are worth it to get the further expansion on the actual messaging. Um, and then we go into a lot of post areas where we'll actually go and do posts inside of groups where we share the information. And I have, and we have this group that we, that we, that we interact with. We go, it's a safety FM exclusive list is what it boils down to. I call them the safety FMers. And they share our information. And I almost say that they're almost advocates for what the radio station is doing. And they share our info with other groups in that expanse. And we're, in a, to an extent, you can say we're growing community on that particular fashion. And it's not like, oh, it almost, when I say stuff like that, it's not like, oh, we're part of this group and you need to be part of it. No, that's not the case. It's just being able to get the word out there. And I have listeners and safety FMers that reach back to me and go, what you said on that episode makes absolutely no sense. And I want to have the discussion on why doesn't it make sense? And I want people to disagree and go, you brought this person on that is from this industry that has nothing to do with X. And then I go, but everything has to do with safety if you look at it. And then it's kind of doing that expansion of the mind. Can you, can you give us some examples, you know, of, of some of the you've had on? Um, well, re I guess one of the most interesting ones recently is that we had a person that has moved into life coaching um, had, that had started that. And then a few years prior, they had been in the adult entertainment industry for about 10 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I, it, the funny part was a lot of people were hesitant. Like when that episode came out, we got a lot of mail. But. It is one of our highest listened to episodes that has come out from the tracking that we do, because we do track the episodes. It yeah. was one of the highest listened to episodes. And the way that podcasting worked to bore people real quick is we can track how far along they go inside of the podcast itself, yeah. where they mm -hmm. drop off. It has a 90% completion rate. Excellent. So that means nice. they're just cutting out the ads, which was perfectly fine. <laughs> but <laughs> And I bet a video of that one was, uh, was well, well subscribed well, to as well. Wasn't we it? actually did not do a video of that <laughs> one. And, and, the, and the funny thing is that people were understanding too, some were, because mm -hmm. she was transitioning out of something else. And, mm -hmm. and realistically, when we first reached out to her, that was not the purpose of the interview. Mm -hmm. The purpose mm -hmm. of the interview was we wanted to understand about the life coaching, how it, how relationships applied to what goes on with someone who's in health and safety, because it is a, we'll say, quote, unquote, quote, not the most glamorous job mm -hmm. because you're kind of always, we'll say the outcast when it comes to certain things. So I wanted to have the discussion about coaching in that we didn't, I didn't know at the time. And then that was brought up right away during the interview. And like I said, we do minor research on people um, and she, she had a stage name. So it was being able to tell the difference between an actor, we'll say in this case, and the real person. And mm -hmm. I think some people struggled with the actor and the real person. It was like, you have to be able to distinguish between the two. Mm -hmm. I, I did, we did not do any searches or try to find out how many people looked up for the 
person that she was impersonating, you know, in the, in the past and, and her movies or anything to that extent, like it was interesting. <laughs> it's some you, laugh, you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few, many years ago, I went to, uh, I went to see a band called The Cure. And, uh, oh. um, and a band um, called The Cure. I love how you just play that off. A band called The Cure. <laughs> yeah. The Cure, right? The Cure. <laughs> and uh, in the audience, um, uh, there was there used there, there was a program uh, in the UK called EastEnders. Okay, a popular show. And there was a guy on there called Wilmot Brown, who who basically he he rapes one of the uh, one of the other members of the of the cast in the show, and uh, and he was in the bar, and uh, you know, I can't remember the guy's name. I was just having a chat with him, and uh, and I just said, I said, so you know, what has life been like um, since uh, since you left EastEnders? And he said, he said, he said, I I'm, I have hardly been able to get work. He said because because people hate me because I because I raped this lady in the show. People think I did it in real life, and so they so they hate me. And he said it is so it is so so difficult, and it's just and that's, and that's the interesting part is that people sometimes can't distinguish between what you might have done in the past to what you do currently and that was i mean when we were speaking to her she talked about how that was a character that she portrayed and everybody has the rights of doing whatever but that's what we run into in real life as well where you might believe right now where behavior-based safety is the best thing and you talk about it on every platform that you can and then all of a sudden you have changed your mind and you want to go into something else not if this is bolt on but it's entirely changed well i can't adapt to that because this is not what you said before and it takes a while to be able to, I won't say convince people, but for them to see exactly that you're being genuine in regards to doing that change. Mm. But, but what's interesting as well, I think, is, is you know, and I'm, again, I'm just, just thinking about this as we're talking here, you know, isn't it, isn't it the case that, that the, you know, or in a lot of cases, the health and safety professional is almost trying to impose their views and opinions on the workforce because they think that is the right way to do it. But really, it's, it's, the, the people who 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 should be deciding how things are done are the are the people that are doing the stuff, you know, and, and you know, and, and I go, you know, and, and I, th- I feel that you know, I think one of the one of the big things that uh, you know that I've that I've really sort of taken on from talking to to health and safety professionals around the world, which the podcast allowed me to do, is just how the how the role is so much more about enabling people to to, to be the best that they can. You know, rather than being dictatorial and saying that you must do things this way and you must do things that way. Well, I yeah. just think about this for a moment. How many times have you been somewhere where you're ta- where you're going through a training program and somebody says, "Well, I'm supposed to train you on how we do stuff here." So here's what this book says. We're going to go through it. Blah 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 blah. So you go through procedure one, two, and three, and then you go. But let me show you this. This is actually the way that we do it, which the procedure is entirely different than the way that the person is being trained on what we do. So mm-hmm. it becomes a very interesting scenario. So opposed to us actually having the worker make that procedure and process on the proper way on how it's being done, we decide to do this work imagined versus, versus the actual work that's being done. And it mm-hmm. becomes a very difficult portion. The other portion that you referenced where the safety person is trying to put what they think is in best interest, it becomes a very interesting thing. Because they don't make the organization successful and they don't also make the organization fail. They give you ideologies or ideas for you to move forward with. It is the operation that has to make the decision if they want to move forward with that. It is suggestions. Mm -hmm. If it goes good, great. If it goes bad, unfortunately, great. Because they are not saying this is what needs to be done. 
And sometimes I think organizations get that mixed up where you have a safety person when they go, well, you're responsible for safety of the, of this plant, of this organization, of the whole company. <laughs> no, you're not. Mm. You're responsible for the ideas and mm. how to get them moving. And this is where I always have the conversation of you have to have an advocate with you mm -hmm. that can see it from an operational standpoint. I mean, if you're going to get the whole culture to buy in, it's much easier, but sometimes that's not the easiest task to do. Mm. I can, you know, I can remember in my, in my career, the most, the most success I had was I, I worked for a large organization and, um, we had, we had a department of well, 50, 50 health and safety advisors across the, across the country. And, 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 and we, and that got reduced down to about, about 11 or 12 and, 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 and people, I remember people saying to me, oh, you know, how can the company be serious about health and safety if you've taken that many safety professionals, safety advisors out? And, and, but what we did is we, we actually invested in the management and we got them to, got them to start making better decisions and better calls. And, 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 and that was the reason that we got the success. And, and the, the safety advisors became, became that. They became people that were advising the business rather than telling the business. And, and they weren't the doers. You know, they were the, you know, they were they were just observing and watching, and and that was that was when we had the most. And almost doing by doing less, they actually became more effective. And mm -hmm. I, I that's what a lot of a lot of health and safety professionals don't sometimes don't get. Right, because it becomes that whole thing of, do, am I sure that I want person to go see X? Because mm -hmm. if you're not doing this and you go see it, how is that going to work for the safety person? The other funny part is that I love when I go into an organization and they pair me up with the operations person. And the operations person is supposed to tell me what's going wrong. Mm -hmm. And they're the ops person where it's like, so I'm supposed to self-report. Mm -hmm. So it becomes interesting. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think that this world is so different in regards of how we look at safety and how we can actually perform these things. And I looked at if it becomes a blend of the culture of the organization, it's so much easier to do opposed to trying to fight an uphill battle. And I always feel that when you have these conversations originally, it becomes production versus safety, where those two things need to be merged. Because mm -hmm. I can tell you that I just saved your company a million dollars by an accident didn't happen, but there's no way to prove it. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it's, uh, you know, but it is, you know, you know, if, um, you know, if, if safety can be seen as a, as a, as a, as a cost a cost benefit rather than a rather than a cost and then then that's when that's when people get successful you know when they actually see right well if we invest in our people um then we're going to get a, we're going to get a return on that investment and you know for me that's that's sort of really fundamentally about what it well, is i mean if, if people looked at safety as a value and mm -hmm. i'll tell you scott geller told me this during an interview that i had with him many moons ago where he says if you take a look at safety as a value, there's certain things that you'll do for the, word of, for the world of safety to make sure that things actually go forward. And he goes, think about this for a moment. Imagine that you're running late to a meeting. You wake up late, you have to go to work. Let's say, for instance, that you sleep naked. You're not going to run out the door naked. You're going to run out the door putting your clothes on before you actually start running out that door because you consider that a value not mm -hmm. a principle. So if you value something, you'll look at it differently than if it's a principle. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I thought he had a good point at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's very good. That's good. <coughs> Sorry. So um, do, you get, do you get many people from the sharp end of the business uh, involved in, in your shows? And 
you know, and come appearing on there, you know, so the workers, the doers, or we have a combination <laughs> of both. Um, I'll tell you that we have people from time to time come on that are on the sharp end of the stick, but they're also probably some of the shyest ones when they first come on mm-hmm. because they're not sure how it's going to be received, the mm-hmm. information that they're sharing. And sometimes we'll start a conversation where they pause and they don't want to proceed forward because they're not sure how it's going to be, be moved forward. And we try to limit some of those, especially on a podcast format. And then what we did for a period of time was we would actually put protection mode is almost the way that I can word it, where we would kind of hide their voice as right. they came on, as they came on the air um, and kind of give a, uh, a decryptor um, that way people can make out who the person was, mm. which became very awkward at times too, because sometimes I couldn't even make out what they were saying. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's interesting. I mean, one of the, one of the things I'm thinking about doing is, 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 is actually, you know, once we can, once we can get out and about a lot more than we, than we can now is actually, if people want to, it's, it's just go and do some stuff out in the workplace, you know, and just talk to people and, and just get their views and get their opinions in, in their environment. Because, uh, you know, just bringing them into a into a studio or or doing it via Zoom isn't isn't where people are comfortable. Right. And I think you learn you learn the most from people when they are when they're comfortable. And well, it's, 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 it's funny that you say that because I can even tell you that there's been times where I'm doing an interview with someone and we won't do it in a video format. We'll just do it on an audio format, mm-hmm. and the nervousness that happens on as they're about to start speaking to me and how nervous they are, and I'm like, it's just you and I. I mean, I know there's other people that are listening, but it's just you and I speaking. It would be like having any other conversation, but they're mm-hmm. so worried that they're going to say something, I guess, incorrect from their point of view, that they're going to be ridiculed about it later on. And I just go, mm-hmm. just run with it. I mean, and then the other, and the other thing that I find interesting as well is where I live is probably the, the capital of all theme parks in the world. And because of some of the people being afraid of being able to talk, I can't talk to any of any of the theme park employees because of repercussions they they might get by X theme park of that occurring. So they, I've had several scheduled interviews where they'll turn around and say, "Nope, spoke to the people at the theme park, and we're not allowed to come on <clears throat> because there's no, so many interesting things that happen behind behind the closed doors." I've had a few. I've had a few guests, um, you know, say, you know, I want, I want to, I want a copy of the, uh, of the episode to listen to before it goes out, you know, and maybe make some changes. But generally speaking, generally speaking, people just go with it, really. But it's, oh it's, well, it's, I don't give copies of any of the episodes before they're released. No, yeah, that's kind of how we do it. Um, we do have a, um, we do have a release form that we have the majority. I want to say, ninety-eight percent of all of our guests have actually signed. Um, yeah. and we won't actually do it. We won't do an interview unless that stuff's signed. So where, um, you know, commun- communication is so important. You know, it's, it's such a fundamental, you know, sort of um, uh, activity that uh, that needs to that needs to happen. Where are where, where are the, in in general, in really broad general terms here? Where, where do most safety professionals go wrong? Do you think with communication? Ooh. You're, oh, you're going to try to get me in trouble. I can already tell at this point. <laughs> it's, 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 let's just be realistic. A lot of safety people, most of the times they get promoted into the position. 
from something that they were doing entirely different. They weren't a safety person. At least we're starting to see transition now where there's more people that are coming in that have a safety background. But most mm-hmm. of them actually come in from the from the standpoint of I was promoted to, but most of the times it was it, w- it was a punishment to because I moved you from exposition to do this as a punishment. Mm-hmm. And it, they take that dictatorship standpoint where you can't go to someone that's been doing X for 30 years and all of a sudden you're the safety person and you've been there for two weeks and you're going to tell them, this is how you do it. Never going to work. And that communication piece changes everything. If you go in there and you start learning from the 30-year veteran, and maybe they're not doing it exactly how the book was written on how it needs to be done, but you try to understand why they're changing that environment and why they're changing the method that it's supposed to be done, you will have further reach on your communication because that person will become an advocate or they'll at least listen to what you have to say opposed to you doing the dictatorship model. And I think that we run into that quite a bit because we don't have correctly trained people. The other portion, if we start going higher up the, higher up the frame, a lot of people that are inside of the C-suite earned their way into the C-suite. So they have a hard time of someone who's in safety and reports directly to the CEO that all of a sudden they have the same pull as somebody inside of the C-suite when they did not have to earn their chair. So it becomes that conversation of you have to learn the language of business for the most part and be able to go in there and earn your spot and not expect it to be given. No, that's, uh, that's great. I, um, I had the pleasure of, uh, of interviewing, um, uh, John Green, uh, a few weeks back and, um, and, and also a guy called Kevin Furness and they, they worked together and, and I think it was Kevin actually said to me that one of the, one of the appointments that John made when he, uh, when he sort of took up a senior position in the, in the company wasn't, a a health and safety professional. It was a marketing person. You know, he 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 took a marketing person into the health and safety department, and uh, because because he felt it was just really important that that he understood how to how to communicate better, you know, and how to how to communicate in a way that the the that the audience actually can receive, and and I think that is you know that that's you know you know what you're saying there, you know, and that's about listening and that's about giving people different ways of doing things, you know, ways of, of, of interacting. And, uh, you know, that, that's, I think we don't, we don't do enough of that in our, in our teaching, you know, when we're teaching health and safety professionals to become health and safety professionals, we don't do enough. I don't believe about good communication. I don't know, what do you feel about that? No, I, I think it's spot on. I think a lot of times what ends up taking place is that most conversations consist of this. I'm waiting for my turn to talk and not really paying attention to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot, especially if we're really trying to push and drive the health and safety aspect of the organization and not listening to the potential problem that the end user the person, the, the frontline worker is actually going through. And it's those techniques, and I, I have to tell you that marketing aspect is genius on them doing that because that's how sometimes you really get things to the forefront, but you have to look at it as well as people want to feel like they're involved with the process. If you come in and you just go, this is what we're doing, and not give them the benefit of let's take your information and roll it up, it's very hard to move. And I look at it and and we can even go back to something we were talking about before you started recording 
about like learning to you. It's really the people inside of the organization that are talking about what needs to improve and then taking it to the quote unquote leaders of the business. Like most learning teams are, tell me where you think the next failure is going to be. What do you see as a problem? And they can give you more insight than some people that are, that you might go visit in the operations department that tell you, well, I'm not sure what's going wrong. We, I'm not, I was before before I came on the uh, on the interview with you. Now I was chatting to one of our one of our clients. So, and we're doing um we're we're doing probably one of the first um one of the first um back to work health and safety meetings um since since they came out out of COVID and started uh, started working again. And um and um we're we're trying to do it socially distanced. Okay, so we're not we haven't got the people in the traditional room. Um, we're actually going to do it in a in a in a workshop. Okay. And um, and we were just talking about well, what, we we haven't got PowerPoint or anything like that, which is fantastic. You know, what what are we going to talk about? And I said, well, let's you know, let's let's give them the floor, but let's give them the floor in a structured way. You know, you know, let's talk about some of the things. You know, that we will talk about COVID, but but we're saying there's other risks out there. There's other stuff that's going on in the business still. You know, all the other risks haven't gone away. You know, just because COVID's turned up, but the focus has been on COVID. But, but let's give them the floor to talk about and, and let's see what comes. And, and then we, our, our skill is the agility to be able to, to be able to bounce on the stuff that the guys are saying. And, you know, that's what we're looking to do. So I'm looking but forward you to also have to feel comfortable to be willing to do that because mm-hmm. somebody has to break the ice because most of the times it's like, what is this? And is this really legit on what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Mm-hmm. So have you got some sort of techniques and ways that you, you know, you break, you break that ice. I normally will not do that kind of conversation with management involved. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I normally won't do any kind of management or any kind of supervisors that report to each other because mm-hmm. it becomes very awkward. Um, and I've noticed that the majority of the time that, that if you have a supervisor that says X and he has an employee or a team member from his same department, they'll agree a hundred percent with them because they don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And is, and is, I suppose that is just, that's just, Human nature, isn't it? You know that. Uh, you know, it doesn't. I suppose it. You know, in in really uh, really well developed organisations where where they've got openness and honesty and trust, um, it's it, uh, you know it, it can work. But, but most businesses aren't like that. You know, most businesses are still there's still an element of of, of fear and and you know fear of, of, of retribution and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, so doing it without the uh, doing it without the line management. Totally involved. Well, and I, I some of them where you'll have the, the plant manager or the main person inside of the whole place go, you're doing a learning team. There's no management here and you need to listen to what these people have to say. <laughs> <laughs> like that's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but where are you, um, you know, where are you taking, uh, taking your, your show then, you know, do, you know, where's, you know, what, what are the, what are the things that you've got coming up? Well, right now we have several shows in the, on, we'll say that we are trying to establish at the moment. And some of them are new shows that have never been out before. Um, we have some new hosts that are coming on. I'm not allowed to talk about at least one of them for sure at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, but we're starting to push down that path and we're, wanting to take some different approaches opposed to the standard safety podcast. Um, so you'll be seeing some different things come about. We're going to actually announce one of them next week um, on, on one of the shows that we'll be doing that will actually come out on Tuesday. And we're going to be doing some changes on how some of the podcasts look. And then we have been in talks with some people at different parts of 
of the world of trying to of trying to bring them on and um do some things with them so that's something that we've been in talks with still waiting for some to respond yeah um so how um how can people get hold of you then jay you know if they want to if they want to find out a little bit more about what the what the show does and where it's going well i mean if they're interested in that stuff they can go to safetyfm.com that's the easiest way to find out everything we have r- roughly right now we have about 11 shows that we play throughout that we're we're behind in one way shape or form and the other portion that's kind of cool is that if you want to listen to the radio station we're available on the google play store we're out we're also available inside of the apple store and we're also as an Alexa skill. And I'll say Alexa again to make sure your device goes off. Um, <laughs> but we're actually listed as an Alexa skill where you can listen to the radio station in real time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Hey, you know, thank you so much. You know, really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Jay, thank you so much for your time. It was really great listening to uh, to your, your history, your story, the things that you're interested in and passionate about. And, and really just, just listening to you, how you're trying to spread just good health and safety messages around the uh, around the globe using the Safety FM medium. I mean, you have got some absolutely amazing speakers as part of the program. Um, Todd Conklin's on there, um, Sam Goodman, David Proven and uh, Drew Ray, and there's many, many others. And, you know, I'm just really, really proud and chuffed to be part of that, uh, that esteemed group. And I just hope that, uh, that the quality of the episodes that we put out, you know, can get up and match some of the stuff that's being put out by other great speakers around the world. Thank you again for the opportunity. Thanks for your insights. And I really look forward to, uh, to catching up with you again really soon. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interesting Health and Safety Podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Colin Nottage.